The podcast you're about to listen to, we had some preliminary information at the date of recording. We recorded this podcast on January 25th. And as of now, the bill passed. It is law. So you'll notice a lot of our verbiage in this podcast is preliminary. We're hopeful it passes. We wanted to add this snippet in here just to let you know that this did pass and we are ready to go with some tax planning with this bill that has now law. But do understand some of the details we discuss in this podcast, as they were preliminary, the bill hadn't made its way through the House and through the Senate. There are likely some material changes that when we talk about, like right now, bonus depreciation, we're expecting it to be retroactive 100% to 2023, January 1st, 2023. It might come out that it wasn't until 2024. There's other things like that. So still good info. Enjoy. Get excited about tax, guys. It is your yellow brick road to financial freedom. Sound the alarms. We might have some changes coming to tax law, and it's going to be good. If you're in real estate, you own a business, if you have children, you're going to see a better tax outcome under this new bill that's been proposed. Now, this as of today, today is January 25th. As of today, this is not law, has not been signed into law. It is just a bill called the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act. And in this act, it's going to up bonus depreciation to 100% again for two years. So hallelujah, CPAs rejoice, real estate investors rejoice. There is a chance that we can continue at the pace we have been tax planning wise with real estate. There's a chance that the equipment you buy for your company, whatever asset, capital asset you're buying for your company could see 100% bonus depreciation through 2025. Now that is a blessing because under current law right now, it's phasing down 20% each year. So for 2024, you would have 60% bonus depreciation available to assets. So you're going to get 40% more deduction under this current bill if it's passed into law. And that's just the tip of this iceberg that we can dive into. Yeah, it covers a lot of things. The whole point of this, and, and I like the title of this bill because for once, at least <laughs> before they mark up this bill, for once, the title of the bill is what it is. We had the Inflation Reduction Act a year and a half ago. It did nothing for inflation. It was... <laughs> anything for inflation. That's very mm -hmm. common in Congress. This one's actually tax relief. It would be a boon to our economy. We've learned, and I've said it over and over, since 9-11, when we got our first year of bonus depreciation, and we've seen it come back and come back each time it expires. Every time it comes back, it booms the economy. Businesses will invest because guess what? The IRS won't charge them on the taxes of the money they had to use to invest in that equipment or new property or new business. This will help the economy. There's another one in there on research and development. This was, I'm sorry, one asinine law that came out of the Trump tax cuts in 2017. But in order for them to pass that tax bill, they had to prove that it was going to cost us a trillion dollars or less, according to the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, who I think still don't use math calculators. I'm not sure. I think they're using slide rules to figure out their calculations because their calculations are never right. But anyways, Abacus. Congress had to show that it was going to cost our country less than a trillion dollars so that they could pass it under reconciliation in the Senate. So they said that that's why they phased out bonus depreciation, which we've seen the investment in equipment, businesses' investment in business asset has gone down precipitously over the last two years since 100% bonus depreciation went away. This one part of the research and development thing just drives me nuts. It has made us the most uncompetitive nation for business. 
in the whole world if you need to do research and development. The tax act said after, I think it was last year when it started, you cannot deduct research and development expenditures. You have to capitalize them and you can either amortize them over five years or 15 years, depending on the rules. So suddenly all of these investments that new businesses, startups need to make, especially in the technology arena, we happen to be a technology economy, plain and simple. You can't research, you can't spend money on research and development and get a tax benefit for it. As a matter of fact, if you're using your earnings from your business and reinvesting all of them into research and development, you have to pay taxes on those before you invest in them. So it takes away money for you to invest in your business. It's ridiculous. Everyone knows that. And they all expect it when they pass it. I remember reading interviews from people in 2017 and 18 from people in Congress saying, this will never last. It doesn't kick in until 2023. So by then we'll have fixed it. Congress, you don't fix much ever. So anyways, this new bill, if they pass it in its current form, allows businesses to start deducting research and development expense again. And currently, just like with bonus depreciation, they're making it retroactive to January 1st, 2023. Again, as the bill is currently written. This would be huge for our economy. Yeah, the child tax credit, here's another good thing. And what we typically see in these bills, kind of like what Mike just laid out in the Tax Cuts Job Act, you got a lot of tax benefit. But the IRS is just going to come back and say, okay, we can't give everyone tax breaks. We still need to operate a military. We still need to have some sort of revenue stream. So it's always this balancing act of tax breaks, but we're going to cut back. And they did cut back the R&D, which, man, that hurt. But here in this bill, I don't see any downsides. And I haven't read it all the way through since it's so new. But another big one that's going to affect everybody is they're actually going to index for inflation the child tax credit. As you know, the child tax credit is a $2,000 credit per child if you're under a certain income limit. Now, what they're going to do is index that to inflation. So it doesn't give us a number in this current draft form, but it could be $2,500 or $3,000. I don't know what it is, but they're going to give more benefit for that. And they're going to also adjust how much can be refundable. More of that credit is going to be refundable. So if you do have in a situation where you're not paying tax or you have zero tax liability, it could increase your refund. The government could be paying you, tipping you. So a tremendous time to tax plan. And this is just one thing that you can look at because we saw this across the board, across a lot of clients last year where they're high income earners. They're making five, $600,000. And those people in those tax brackets are getting phased out of child tax credits. They're getting phased out of college credits for their children. They're getting phased out of a lot of credits, R&D or EV credits, Teslas and all that. They're getting phased out of that because of their high income. If you can drop their income under the thresholds for the cap of these credits, now you can start opening the door to even more tax opportunity with these child tax credits and things like that. So it's not always just savings on your taxable income, you're also opening the door to tax credits that taxpayers are sometimes phased out of. There is one negative, one revenue controller. So Congress originally, the, the, the committee, Senate committee and House committee that got together jointly and, and released this bill, they said it's not going to cost us any net money. The way they're doing that is they are ending, if it happens, it says, as I think in the bill as it's written, as of January 30, 2024, the IRS will not accept any more ERTC claims. That being said, the employee retention tax credit was created to get us through COVID shutdowns. That was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> Over three years ago. And I still think it was a good credit. It was right. 
but it is getting so abused. So many people that didn't need it, that didn't keep people employees, or they didn't need the help of the government to keep their people employed, they're all getting this credit. And a lot of them, I think the government's going to come find the people who really shouldn't have got it. The big problem is you have all these less than honest tax credit sellers out there, salesmen calling everyone saying, I can guarantee you we'll get you $50,000 back from the government. We're only going to charge you 20% of that. So send us 10,000 bucks. We'll get that for you. And in so many cases, the businesses that got taken by these salespeople, they didn't deserve the credit and they took it anyways. And they don't know any better. They were relying on a so-called tax person who hopefully some of those will go to jail. So there's a lot of abuse here. I happen to be completely okay with them getting rid of the ability to file for new credits. Now, if you really needed it to get through COVID, you've gotten it by now. If you didn't really need it to get it through COVID, there's no reason for you to keep being able to apply for this credit. So that's the one you could say negative, but it makes sense. And if by doing that, it actually pays for these good tax bills that will spur the economy, let's do it. Please, Congress, do something that makes <laughs> yeah. sense this year. Please. And think about taking away the ERC credit is going to affect a lot less taxpayers than the child tax credit. That's going to hit almost our whole population on top of the bonus depreciation is going to hit every company. Not every company got to take ERC. You may not even have employees. You may have contractors, which on top, by the way, this bill is going to increase the threshold that you have to report contractor payments. Right now it's $600. If you pay anybody outside your organization, outside of an employee over $600 and they're not a C corp or S corp or a corporation of some sort, you have to issue them a 1099, which is an administrative burden. They're going to raise that to $1,000 and then even adjust that for inflation. Oh, thank gosh. So you're not going to have these $600 thresholds that have been in for, how long have they been in, Mike? Ever since I've been a CPA in 2000. So 24 years, it hasn't been indexed for inflation. No. So they're raising that at least to 1000 Now you're still going to hit that cap pretty quick. If you just have a plumber come through or a painter, you're going to hit the thousand pretty quick, but it's better in 600 and they're going to still adjust it. So they're recognizing some of these items that have not been adjusted in our current economy. And for once, they really are, it looks like if this bill can get passed, actually doing some benefit to the yeah. economy. I hate to be Debbie Downer here, Kevin, but this bill makes too much good common sense. All of it makes sense. That's why I predict, unfortunately, because I have lost faith in our political <laughs> institutions doing what's right, I doubt it's going to pass. But Lord willing, I hope it does because our country needs it. So let's talk about all these predictions we're hearing and all the financial news that's coming over the globe. Recession, recession. But hey, don't worry. You listen to our administration. We're not in a recession and inflation is completely taken care of now. We're not in an inflationary period. Things are good. Yeah, they, they realize that that's not working and that's where there was just a big campaign shake. So that being said, I think America has had a much softer landing than most of the world from the last three years of financial craziness, but it's going to be a rough year. You've got still inflation all over the world. You've got a lot of developed nations in recession. China is hurting hard. I just read this thing a couple of days ago about how China's trying to prop up their stock market because it's in free fall right now. And I don't blame them. People are selling their Chinese stock and trying to get out of there. So what they're doing, they're, this thing they're going to try to do is have $300 billion of all their companies that are Chinese companies that have made money in the U.S., made money in South America and Europe, that is keeping the money in those countries to reinvest in growing those operations. They're going to make those companies buy the general stock market index funds 
to prop up my $300 billion. That's false prop up. That's communism for you. It doesn't work very well. We'll see how well this works. But that being said, this is going to be a painful year for a lot of people. I hate that. What are some things that our viewers, our listeners, Kevin, you and I, what are some things we should be doing to prepare for this year and not just survive 2024, but thrive in 2024? First, what I always like to do is the new year always sparks change. When you have January 1st rolls around, you got resolutions. People are more open to change in January than I think any other time of the year. So what that could look like is just taking inventory of what worked the prior year. What did you do personally, either budget-wise, tax planning-wise, financially, the planning, investing side? What did you do that did not work? What did you do that did work? Take some time, sit down, inventory your scenario. From a tax side, look at your return. Meet with your CPA for a little bit and go, hey, what did I do that went well? What can I do to change and be better? And that could be just on the accounting side, being more organized on the accounting side. Maybe I need a bookkeeper this year because I can't make management decisions off my Excel spreadsheet as a business owner. Maybe I need to actually put some effort into it myself or eat some cost of my business so that I can have some actual data to run on and also give to my CPA and get let my CPA help me make tax planning decisions off true financial data and not shoeboxes of receipts and Excel spreadsheets. So what have you been doing and what can you change? And that's always where I would want to start, always, every time. And just because you have to know what to change, you have to know what the problem is before you can solve for it. So if you don't know even where to start, on the budgeting side, I'm kind of mixed feelings on Dave Ramsey. He got me through my 20s, though. He, it's very blanket advice. To cover a populace, he's got this baby step plan, seven or eight steps that everyone should take. Well, I don't really fall under the theology that everyone's financial advice would fall into seven equal buckets, equally all of us. Everyone has different situations. Everyone has different things going on, income levels, things like this. So if you just don't know where to start, though, just Google Dave Ramsey baby steps on the budgeting side. It's going to get you some good, solid foundations of budgeting, planning, saving. Because I used to, back in my 20s, just live on the edge of a needle financially, paycheck to paycheck as a professional, as a CPA too. Now, I was living above my means. That was my issue. <laughs> I was wanting the nice car right out of college, and I had student loan debt. And I was just like, hey, I'm making more money than I've ever made before. And it would come in and go out, come in and go out. And I was like, well, where's my money going? I had no clue. Yeah. So believe it or not, it takes time even for trained CPAs. But it was one of those breaking points where I got tired of living on the edge of that needle where I could fall off at any moment. And so financial security was a big thing for me. And actually what spurred that on was also giving too. I was very tight fisted with my money because I was on that edge so often. I could not help anybody. I could not help Anybody who needed any sort of resource from me because I needed it for myself because I was such a poor planner. Mm -hmm. And so it was a hard issue too of me that I needed to let go of and be more diligent in my own personal finances. So not only to help me and myself at the time I was single, but to help others. And so that was a huge turning point for me. Huge. Yeah. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan, and I, I probably spent most of my years in college and the first few years in my profession listening to his show almost every day. And 
so like you say, some of the steps everyone needs to apply. Like we should all, especially in a slowing economy or a potential recession, global recession, we should have our emergency funds set. I learned that from Dave Ramsey. You should plan out your budget. No, if I lose my job or in our case, if we aren't able to make payroll and therefore we're not paying ourselves first, how long can I live and survive with my current spending? And we started off with three months like Dave Ramsey taught us. And then I felt a lot better once we got it to six months. And now I'm a firm believer and I feel sleep so much better at night <laughs> if I know I have at least a year of resources to live off of if we don't get paid another penny. I believe in those. The, the only place I differ with Dave is in debt on some occasions. I think he's probably more right than wrong. Definitely more right than wrong. But there is good debt. And especially back when we had the 2 3% interest rates, you could leverage that to make money as long as you knew you could pay that debt in the downtimes and it wasn't going to cause you to start living off a credit card. Other than that, man, he's right. And I think that's what we all should do. But I would go back more to basics. My advice would be, and I think I said this last year and probably during the coronavirus issue or shutdowns, you can choose to see this current place we're in, in this world, in your world, as an opportunity time or as a scary time or both. You can see the glasses being half full or glasses half empty. Anytime we've had horrible global recessions, those who survived it and thrived through it came out so much stronger in the back end. Recessions have an ability to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff. We're seeing that in real estate syndications. There were too many syndicators, new syndicators coming up over the last decade. Well, a lot of them are sucking wind now. The ones who make it through are going to be the big syndicators 10 years from now. I see these changing times as an opportunity. I don't know that I always capitalize on those opportunities, but I'm trying to get better at saying, okay, what's worst case scenario? How can we thrive in that? What's best case scenario? How can we thrive in that? And having your plan A's and plan B's and having checkpoints where you look at three months from now, the end of Q3 or Q1, what were my predictions and what was my plan for each of those potential predictions? Where are we at now? What's going to change and how do I need to shift my plan? So be dynamic too, but the glass is half full, guys. There's so much opportunity in the world economy, but especially in the American economy. It's one of the best places to do business. I'm a firm believer. The whole world's currency is judged against the U.S. dollar. Yeah, There's something to that. There's so much business to be had here. It just takes effort. It takes a little bit of luck too, but it takes networking. It takes hustle. It takes ideas. It takes a lot of luck. sacrifice. Or it blessings. And blessings. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot. Now, I'm not a, a believer in just the bootstrap, white knuckle, I'm going to make this thing work. This, I mean, there's got to be wisdom in there. You got to have the connections in some areas. You got to fail to succeed too, but there's so much upside in this country. And even in the state we're in, we're in Texas. There's so much upside in Texas with just the way the ta tax law is written. And it's just a great place to do business. That's why there's so many people coming here. More companies are moving here. So the opportunities are there. And yeah. sometimes this new year, we just need to take a step back and evaluate what can I do to accelerate my 2024 and the government for once might actually come behind and put some fuel in your tank with this bill if it goes through. So let's utilize it. Let's be proactive. Let's get some tax planning done so you're not phased out of these potential credits that are coming through. 
and we can utilize in these uptimes 100% bonus depreciation. What if you don't know what that means? I don't know what bonus is. Reach out to a CPA because it is a big deal. 100% bonus depreciation is a huge deal in the tax way, in the tax realm. That is how the wealthy pay little to zero tax is they're constantly buying assets. Now, an asset is something that's going to provide value in the future, but that asset's able to reduce your taxes at the same time. More importantly than the wealthy not having to pay so much tax, because the tax law is directing the wealthy and the business owners to invest in their business, it grows the economy. A growing economy provides jobs. A growing economy provides opportunity. A growing economy provides stability and national security. And yes, it's nice if you don't have to pay taxes because you're helping to grow the economy, but that's what we're all here for. Our society in the United States, we have a compact together. We work hard. We should. And we should work towards the same goals. And when you're successful, that should help improve the success of everyone else in the country. Tax law can be used as a kind of nudger to get the people who are running the economy or working in the economy and generating the economy to do the right things to help the economy. And it does. At least this tax bill would. Lord willing, it will pass. Yeah. And I think my biggest complaint, I'm okay. I'm with you. I'm in the same boat you are. The ERC is fine. My biggest complaint is they're doing this in January. We have already <laughs> had tax returns prepared and they're going to change tax law retroactively before the filing season's here. It's late January. It's going to be early February. We have pending tax law that's going to affect tax returns. We're ready to file today. Now, I'm not into the politics, but could they not have done this in November so that we can actually know what we're doing in January? They just handcuff us professionals in a way. How do you think the people at the IRS feel? They're supposed to start accepting tax returns on January 29th, and all of a sudden there's going to be a retroactive <laughs> tax law change? Yeah. That might come out on the 29th. It's, it's yeah. annoying. But I will point out, there were at least three other bills in Congress that I read that would have accomplished most of this, including the bonus depreciation that could not get anywhere. It's just our Congress and our entire political system is locked. It's not working. I don't know why. It seems like it's gotten a lot worse since the shutdowns too. And, and it's just so polarized. It's stupid for it to be polarized. We have Democrats here, Republicans here, and I'm and me, the libertarian here, but we can all get along. And we recognize that 80 or 90% of the stuff we believe we all agree on. It's just the other 10% or 20% we don't. And unfortunately, the way our media works, the way our politics work right now, everyone wants to focus on the differences. That 10% feels like 90%. That 10% difference feels like 90% because it's going to be hot button issues like abortion. That's always mm -hmm. people plant their flag on that when. It's a big topic, but I'm hopeful that both Democrats and Republicans, no matter what side of the fence you're on, we're here for this country. We're, we're neighbors with one another, and it, it does not do us any good to be against each other. Well, that's That's been the biggest issue, and the media does not help in that way. I think I've, Thomas Jefferson and, Tom, and John Adams, they're just a perfect example of what we're talking about here. They were the closest of friends until John Adams became president. I mean, they were best friends. And then once John Adams became president, there was that 10%, 20% that Thomas Jefferson and Adams disagreed with. And they focused on that so much, they ended up hating each other. Jefferson ran against Adams and, and they hated each other. But thankfully, 40 years down the road, maybe, I don't know if it was that long, but almost at the twilight of their years, 
they came back together and focused on what they shared in common. And man, they are the forefathers, our founding fathers, two of the most important ones. And they even showed that we're going to have this polarization. But I guarantee you, if you could talk to them now, hey, what was a more fulfilling and more important part of your life? The last decade that you and Tom were, or John and Tom were actually close friends, or the 10, 20 years that you were diabolically opposed to each other on a few issues? There's no doubt what they would say. And our country was better for it when they were getting along. And I wish our people could do that too. It's more entertainment, it seems. It is very entertaining when you throw Trump on a stage and he's Ugh. throwing mocking and using names and stuff. And yeah, it, that's what people want. And so that's what he gives them. He hams it up a little bit. I don't even think it's what we want, but the media knows that it will sell ads. So they don't focus on things we get along together and have kumbaya moments. They look for the craziness. And man, it got Donald Trump elected. So now there's a lot of politicians out there saying, hey, this is how you get elected. Let's just divide everyone. Our country needs to, to have a revival of union and love and shared purpose and vision. Yeah. Mike, going back to COVID, John Krasinski, who plays Jim on The Office, he picked up on that where news is always negative and it's always playing on us. So he made a YouTube show. I think it started on YouTube. It was just called Some Good News. So if you go to YouTube and you type in some good news, it's going to have John Krasinski. And all he does is good news reports. He has some cool guests on there. It's super positive. But it started all in COVID because everything was so negative. Our country needed some uplifting. So I love to see that. But it goes to show that you can see how the media really does push things and how we can combat it. You can combat it with positivity. If you're not getting along with a friend or a family member over politics, think about long-term. More than likely, that other person's not gonna change their opinion. You're just gonna go red in the face and you're gonna ruin a relationship. Just humbly <laughs> just submit and be like, I don't see your point, but I'd love you. And let's just have some turkey because I'm not talking about this anymore. So however you want to handle that, I ju that's how I take the approach. I do have friends who are on both sides. It is what it is. They're just going to believe what they believe and that's okay. And it's good to have those opposing opinions, just like in a business. Mike, you and I are so different, but it's because you and I are so different that we're able to succeed and we're able to see things in different ways. You view a situation way different than me. Yeah. And that's why Democrats are good for Republicans and vice versa. We need each other. And that was the purpose of having these parties is having different viewpoints who all have a voice and that we can come together and make one really nice economy, one really nice country. I'm way glass half full right now, but that's what I want to see. And that's why it's very frustrating. And I stay out of politics. Yeah. And we have gone on a very nice and altruistic tangent. We should probably get back to tax. But I, I agree. We thought and our founding fathers believed that a two-party system would be good. And that's why. Because if you guys can work together to bridge your differences, you are going to be. But after Washington, George Washington, our first president, after his second term, when he wrote his farewell address, he flat out saw the problem that this partisanship polarity was going to cause. And you should read his farewell address. And if we could just get back to that, he saw the, the warning signs and he was experiencing them. But all it takes is a change of heart. Our country could get back. It actually could become the best it's ever been in a second if all of us would just change our hearts to speak, think, act out of love instead of fear or territorialness. What a fun episode. I had fun chatting with you, Mike. And 
taking a big step back of everything and just seeing how the sauce is made, so to speak, taking a look at politics is necessary in our field because as you can see with this tax law change, politics is driving this. Economics mm. is driving this. So there is good purpose to just looking at these kinds of situations, but fingers crossed. I'm with you, man. Let's hope this bill goes through. It will make our job a lot more fun for the next two years. We can really spur this economy. We can really do some good. Mm. So if anyone's listening out there and any of these topics we covered in this bill don't make sense, reach out to us, please. We'll love to explain it to you. We would love to see how you can take advantage of these tax law changes that are for your benefit. So don't be idle on it. Stay ahead of the pack in understanding this legislation designed to provide crucial support to American job creators, small businesses, and working families. We invite you to join us for the webinar with Mike and Kevin on February 6th at 6 p.m. as they talk more on the new act that has been implemented. Register now for this informative upcoming webinar. The link is in the description.